Hallelujah. Well, we're in the Advent season. You know, I'm not a very traditional kind of a guy. You know, and uh, how many in here know what Advent means? Everybody know, nobody knows what Advent means? You know, uh, you know, I know growing up in, in the Methodist church as a child, you know, we always, we always had Advent, you know, four weeks before Christmas got here. But, you know, to be honest with you, either, you know, I was behind the door or shooting paper wads or something when, when uh, they were talking about what Advent was. But I, you know, you know, I really didn't know what Advent meant. But Advent means a coming. And you can look up and get a lot of different, different uh, uh, ideas on, on what Advent means. Another, another uh, meaning for Advent is it's a season of waiting with the anticipation of the Messiah. Is is what is what Advent is. You know, each each year in our month of waiting for for the Messiah, God Himself, we we remember God's people who waited for centuries for the coming of the Messiah to rescue them. For the coming of the Messiah to rescue them, a, a seed of a woman who would crush Satan's head, that was in Genesis, a prophet like Moses, a priest who would surpass the first covenant order, and number four, a son of the, the King David, a son of King David, an heir to the throne who would be greater than David. And as we, as we look at, at the aspect of peace in, in this Advent season, you know, I, I want us to, you know, to open our ears and our hearts and, and really realize what, what this season means. Last week, Pastor Kent talked about hope. You know, without Jesus, there is no hope. And today we're looking at, at peace, and without Jesus, there is no peace. And next week we'll be looking at, at joy. And without Jesus, there is no joy. And then in the fourth week, we're talking about love, and none of that is, is and none of that is possible without the fact that Jesus loved us all, loved us so much that He gave us His Son. About four months ago, um, Dad went home to uh, to be with the Lord, and he was part of a what what society calls you know a the greatest generation he was in world war 2 uh served in the philippines and and you know i don't know what the criteria for the the world's greatest generation would be other than you know they they made tremendous sacrifices you know they they fought a war to to end all wars so that the world could live in peace but but even after the World War II was over, there still wasn't any peace. 
You know, in a few years, we fought the, the Korean War. And, and not long after that was, you know, kind of come to a close. It was the Vietnam War. And, and, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. So there is, there is no peace in, in the world. You know, they, you know, I have no doubt that there was a great generation. You know, I'm not belittling the, the sacrifices that they made. But, you know, God is looking for someone to be great in our generation. Somebody, God is looking for somebody to stand up and to be great in our generation. Someone that will bring the, the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ to, to a dying world. Someone that will bring the message of peace to our world. Someone that will bring the message of joy to our world. And someone that will bring the revelation of, that, of the love of God to a lost and dying world. You know, we can be a part of a great generation. Amen? You know, but, but, it's, but it's our decision. It really is. You know, I want to look back here in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 2. And, and let's look, look at verse, verse 25. You know, there have been great people in every generation. Been some awesome people in every generation. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And, and now there was in, a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Here Simeon was looking for the imminent appearing of the refreshing of Israel. He was, that's, you know, he was, he was with great anticipation looking for someone to come and rescue the, the nation of the people of Israel. You know, they were under Roman rule. You know, there was no peace in Israel during this time period. And in verse 28, it said, and it had been divinely revealed, communicated, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came to the temple, and when the parents brought the little child Jesus to do for him what, the, what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, and now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart, to leave this world in peace according to your word. For with mine own eyes have I seen your salvation. A very important person in, in his generation, Simeon. We don't talk too much about Simeon. You know, we don't know too much about him as far as I know. But, but he was a devout man. He, he loved God. He spent time fellowshipping with, with God and, and, and praying. And, and I'm sure he did all the sacrifices. And, but you know what is, what is 
kind of interesting to me is that he knew who Jesus was the moment that his parents brought him in the temple. You know, now how many, how many children do you think that he'd seen coming into the temple in his years? He probably seen children every day, you know, being brought into the temple to be, to be sanctified and dedicated to, to the Lord. You know, because that's, that was part of the law. But he knew when Jesus showed up who he was. He knew. Let's, let's go on down here and, and look at, skip a couple verses and look in verse 36. And there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her, for, from her maidenhood. And as a widow, even for 84 years, she did not go out of the temple enclosure, but was worshiping night and day with fasting and prayer. And she too came up at the same hour and returned thanks to God and talked of Jesus to all those who were looking for the redemption or the deliverance of Israel. Here we have Anna, was married for seven years, and then her husband died. You know, and I, and I don't know how old she was when she got married. You know, they probably got married at a pretty young age, but regardless. You know, and she was, and her husband had been dead for 84 years, and every day she, she was in the temple praying and, and, and looking for the return, or looking for the Messiah, the rescuer of Israel. And she was old. And she'd been doing that for a long time. She'd been doing that for over 84 years. You know, you 84 years and, and seven, and then I don't know how old she was, you know, when she got married. But she was, she was over 100 years old. She was over 100 years old. And, and you just think back at the opportunities she had to get discouraged and depressed and throw up her hands and, and, and give up on the peace that, that they had been promised, you know, in, in, in the law. We ever get depressed and, and, and want to give up? God is looking for greatness in this generation. God is looking for great people in this generation. A people that, that will share the hope of their Lord and Savior with the world. A people that will, will bring peace into hopeless situations because they know who their God is and, and what he's done. They're looking for a people that will bring joy where there is no joy and a people that will love just like our God loves. Amen? And that's what we're celebrating this 
this season. That's what we're celebrating this season. A God of hope, a God of peace, a God of joy, and a God that loves us regardless of who we are or who we've been. He still loves us. And he wants us to bring, he gives us that hope, he gives us the peace, and he gives us the joy that this world so desperately needs. You know, I, I desperately need it. Amen? Let's, let's look at some other, other things here in, in the Word. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 18, and, and I'm not going to read this, I'm just going to kind of summarize it. But it says, through Jesus we have peace and access to the Father. In John chapter 14, verse 23. And, and this, is, this is Jesus talking here. And Jesus answered, it says, if, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home and abode, our special dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching, and the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. Verse 25, it says, I have told you these things, while I am still with you. In verse 26, let's look at verse 26. But the comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, your strengthener and your standby, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my, in my name, in my place to represent me and to act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall and will remind you of he will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. And in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give, and bequeath to you, not as the world gives, do I give. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated, disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Well, there's a lot in that. You know, we, we have something to say about whether we're walking in peace or not. It's, it's, it's a decision that we make. You see here in verse 27, he says, I've left you peace. You know, it's, it's not as the world gives. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He's saying, he's saying, don't let your heart be troubled. But Larry, you don't know what's going on in my life. Doesn't make any difference what's going on. It says, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and, and disturbed. You know, don't permit yourself to be fearful. 
So how are we going to do that? You know, how, how, are we going to, how are we going to overcome situations that look impossible that are trying to, to instill fear and, and, and chaos and, and, you know, disturbing, you know, revelations that, that, that we get every day? You know, whether it's on the news or whether it's our friends, people at work, you know, it doesn't make any difference. You know, we get we get all that stuff twenty four seven every day. What how do we how do we combat that stuff? You know, how how do we walk in the peace that we know that God has given us? You know, how do we do that? In John chapter sixteen, verse thirty three, it says, There is there is no peace in the world. But Jesus has overcame the world. You know, walking in this kind of peace requires more from us than than coming to church on Sunday morning and saying a hallelujah. It really does. You know, it it takes more than than coming to church on 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 Sunday morning and and maybe going to a Bible study Wednesday night or some other night during the week and, and you know, saying a hallelujah or praise the Lord. You know, it, it takes more than that. It takes more than that. In, in Psalms 91, I, I love Psalms 91. You know, Psalms 91 hinges on the first two verses in that psalm psalms 91 says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and i'm reading this out of the king james you got the amplified up there uh he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the almighty whose power no foe can withstand I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God on him. I lean and rely and in him I confidently trust. And, and the rest of the, the psalm down through the next verses that, that follow this all hinge on the first two. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You know, when I read this, I like to, to put it in the first person. Uh, you know, I like to say, you know, because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, this, this Christmas season, uh, we're all going to go to, to Grandma's house or Mom's house or, or Cousin Doodad or, or whatever. And... And we go there and we visit because we know, Larry, when we go, we're going to come back to home where we dwell. And, you know, a lot of times we, we treat God the same way. You know, we visit him, we don't dwell with him. Did you get that? We, we, don't, we don't dwell with our Father God we just visit him 
Sunday mornings and maybe Wednesday. But that's so, that's, that's so key to, to walking in the peace and the hope of our Father God. It's not just visiting when we, when we need him or once a week and, and you know, listen to Pastor Kent sermon and, and say a hallelujah and go home and, and not think about it any not think about him anymore that week. But it has to be a place where we dwell in his presence twenty four seven. You know, we we get up in the morning with him, you know, and in, instead of turning on CNN or Fox or you know, whatever, you know, we, we, we go to him. You know, we, we open up his word and 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 you know we read Psalms ninety one. That that's a tremendous psalm. You know, if you if your Bible doesn't automatically open to Psalms ninety one, you know, you, you need to get one that will. <laughs> because because that's such a precious precious psalm. And then we go to bed with him at night. And and everywhere in between, you know, if we're at work or, you know, we're taking care of the kids or cooking dinner or, you know, whatever it is, you know, we, we may not be reading, reading our word, but we've always, we're always conscious of, of what his word says and what he means to me. You know, I, I dwell with my wife. You know, I don't go just visit her every once in a while. Okay? You know, and, and I can tell you exactly what she's thinking now. And nobody else wants to know what she's thinking now. <laughs> you know, I, I know, you know, what she's thinking when she gives me that look. Or, um, you know, gives me the silent treatment. You know, I, I, I know, I know what she's thinking by just looking at her, and and we need to be the same way with our Father God. We need to know what He's thinking at all times. You know, and we do that by just being familiar with what the Word says. You know, we ought to know how our Father God is going to react to to any situation that that faces us. So you get up in the morning, you got a splitting headache. What what does God say about about a headache? He says, by his stripes, you're healed. <coughs> you know, you, you go to school and, you know, no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. You know, I've got favor with everybody. You know, my Father God gives me favor. You know, you, you need to know what, what God will say in every situation. And in that in that is where your peace will be, is knowing what your God says about the situation that you're in. You know, peace is, is what everyone is looking for. True peace is, is not just being quiet, but it is found in our relationship with God. Peace is not a feeling, but it's a knowing that God is able and, and already has met your need. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, 
in the Good News uh, translation, it says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep your purpose firm and put, your, and put their faith in you. I want to give you another example of, of um, peace. And it's in Second um, Kings chapter 4, verse, uh, and we're going to start with verse 8. And I'm going to read several, several verses of Scripture here. But, but, uh, and, and there's two statements. There's two statements made in these verses of Scripture that I'm going to read that I want you to pay particularly close attention to. It says, One day Elisha w- went to Shuman, where a rich and influential woman lived who insisted on eating a meal. Who who insisted on him eating a meal. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God whom passes by continually. Let us make a small chamber on the housetop and put there for him a bed, a table, and a chair, and a lamp. Then whenever he comes to us, He can go up the outside stairs and rest here. And one day he came and turned into his chamber and and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to Gehazi, go now to her. You have been most painstakingly and reverently concerned for us. What is it, what is to be done for you? Would you like to be spoken for to the king or, or to the commander of the army? And she answered and, and said, I dwell among my own people. They, they are sufficient. And later, Elisha said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and, and said, she has no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway and Elisha said, at, at this season, when the time comes around, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to your handmaid. But the woman conceived and bore a son at that season the following year, as Elisha had said to her. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father and the reapers. Now, you know, there's been several years passed by here because now he's grown, okay? And so this Shumanite gal has had a long relationship with the, with the man of God, okay? And, and so the, the child has grown, so he went out to, to the field and rode the combine with his dad, okay? In verse 19, it says, but he said to his father, my head, my head, the man said to his servant, carry him to his, to his mother. So, you know, he, he got sick, you know, and, and the father said, well, to his servant, take the boy back home and, and uh, you know, to his mother. And he stayed in the field. And when he was brought to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and, and laid him in the, on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. 
And she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go quickly to the man of God and, and then come back. And he said, Why go today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it'll be all right. She said, it'll be all right. In, in, the, face of, in the face of the death of her son, what'd she say? It's going to be all right. In, in the face of an, an impossible situation in your life when it looks like there's no hope and that there's no peace and that there's no joy, what do we say? It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You know, that took, that took a, a tremendous step of faith for this gal. Then she saddled the donkey and, and said to her servant, Ride fast, do not slacken your pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shumanite. Run to meet her and, and say, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And again she said, It is well. It is well. Now how can she say it's well when her boy's laying in bed in, in the prophet's chamber, you know, dead as a doornail? How does she know it's well? And we can go ahead and read the rest of this story. We won't. But, you know, Gehazi went and laid Elisha's staff on him, and, and, and that didn't help. And, and when Elisha got there, he went up into the, into the room, just him and the boy. He, he laid himself on, on the boy and 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 was praying and a little bit you know the said the body got warm and he got off and he walked back and forth you know and, and I'm sure he was he was praying when he was walking back and forth and he got back on the on the on the boy again and and he was raised from the dead he was raised from the dead knowing who our god is is the difference between having peace and not having peace and living a life of, of faith and believing what the word of God says in every situation. You know, in, in impossible situations, this was an impossible situation. Her boy was dead, but she said, it's going to be well. You know, have you ever been in an impossible situation? Philippians 4, it says, show a gentle attitude toward everyone the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, ask God for what you need. Always asking him with a thankful heart and God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. 
In conclusion, my friends, fill your minds with those things which are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, things that are noble. I, I want you to listen to what it's saying here. Here's, here's what we keep our minds full of, things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Put into practice what you have learned and received from me, both from my words and from my actions, and the God who gives us peace will be with you. It's so important that when we have the opportunity, and we have it every day, to lose hope, to, to have our, our peace stolen from us, and we don't have any joy, to start focusing on what the problem is and not what the answer is. You know, everybody can see what the problem is, or we think we can. But, but so many times we, we, we lose sight of what the answer is. We lose sight of, 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 of Jesus because he's the reason for our hope. He's the reason for our peace. He's the reason for our joy. And he loves us. He loves us. You know, that, that's the message that, that we have for ourselves. You know, sometimes we need to get ourselves by the ear and say, hey, Jim, here's what the answer is. You know, quit, quit looking at all your problems and, and, and go to the Word of God and see what it says about the, the situation that you're dealing with. But this is also the answer that we have for, for the world. And his name is Jesus. You know, we all know people and, and have friends and family that don't have any hope. But we've got the hope. You know, that's what Advent is all about. It's the, it's the anticipation of, of who Jesus is and the realization of what took place on the cross. And, and, and really, we're looking for the second Advent. Amen? I'm looking for the second Advent. You know, and we need great people for this generation to do what Simeon did and do what Anna did and, and go around acting like the Shumanite lady here, declaring what is not apparent, but declaring what the promises of God are, you know, to a lost and dying world. Amen? Glory to God. So today, as, as we close, the, the invitation today is that if you don't have any hope, if it seems that, that there is no peace in your life, and if you don't have hope or you don't have peace, I know you don't have joy, I'd like to introduce you to somebody that loves you just the way you are. You don't have to get good enough to qualify 
All you have to do is receive him. Amen. Glory to God. You know, the word says that, that Jesus is the way. You know, it, it doesn't say that he's one of the ways or he's a good way, but he says he's the only way to the Father. So if you're not born again here this morning, I would invite you to, to, to come up and, and receive Jesus as your Lord. Receive that hope that we've been talking about. Be a partaker of the peace that we've been talking about. And, and let the, the joy and the love of God fill your heart. You know, if, if you're born again and, and you're missing some of this, he loves you too. You know, we need to get, maybe we need to, you know, quit focusing on all our problems and, and, and focusing on the answer. Amen? So that, that's the invitation this morning.